Now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, for you are our strength and redeemer. Amen. Greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to this very fine pastor. Thank you for the invite here today as we preach in this Lenten series. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 18, Matthew 18, verses 21 and 22. Matthew 18, verses 21 and 22. We find these words recorded. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. I want to use for a thought this afternoon, unchain my heart. Unchain my heart. One of the most crippling things that could happen to you and I is that we would be confined in chains in a padded cell. I declared this would cause our joy to be jolted. It would cause our shout to be silenced. It would cause our peace to be preempted. And in the same manner, in a spiritual sense, the sin of unforgiveness results in the same effect. When we are not forgiving, our shout is silent. When we are not forgiving, our joy becomes jolted. When we are not forgiving, our peace becomes preempted. Many times when we are hurt, it is not always easy to release the person that has caused us the pain. Many times when we are hurt, it's not easy to let the perpetrator free. But I do caution us if we do continue to hold on to grudges and to hold people captive, that we will do irreparable damage. The Bible teaches us that we have to release those who have hurt us, release those who have harmed us, release those who have harassed us. The Bible teaches us that we ought to forgive. Now, forgiveness is not a natural thing. It's not a normal thing. Forgiveness is not, easy, it's not even an easy thing because you and I must understand that um, in our old nature, we are more prone to, uh, to not forgive than to forgive. In our old nature, we, we have a sense of wanting vengeance. We have a sense of wanting payback. We have a sense of doing to others what they have done to us. I don't know about you, but I believe that there are many people in this sanctuary this afternoon who have had experiences in their lives when someone has hurt them, when someone has harmed them, and they sought some sort of payback. Uh, we sought to be violent. We sought to be vindictive. We sought to be vicious. Or, or maybe not you because y'all got halos over your head. But, but, but let me testify because I understand that confession is good for the soul but it's bad for the reputation. If I was to testify, I would tell you there are times in my life, in my life where I wanted to retaliate, when I wanted to reciprocate, when I wanted revenge for something that somebody did to me that wronged me in the wrong manner. If I could be honest today, I could tell you that there are some people here today who are just like me, who are still living under the law, that wants an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We want to retaliate. We want to take 
revenge. We want to reciprocate because after all, we did not start it. We're just the recipients of it. After all, we did not, we did not cause it. We are just affected by it. And the, and, the, and, the, and the interesting thing about it is this. Some of us have grown up with philosophies that, 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 that reinforces this type of behavior. Uh, the philosophy that says what goes around is going to come back around. Philosophies that say if you are a godfather enthusiast that if they hit us, we must hit them. Philosophies that say that revenge is a dish best served cold. And what's wrong with these philosophies is this. These philosophies, these actions, and these attitudes have permeated themselves into the house of God, into the hearts of the people of God, into the body of Christ. And because these actions and attitudes have permeated into the church, we have to deal with them. And the only reason why they permeate themselves in the church is because we have something inside of us called the old nature. And that old nature um, wants to revert back to what we used to do. So when there's an offense that, that comes our way, we go back to what we used to do because that's all we know to do. Even though Jesus says, this is not something that I want you to do. So here in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus gives us some illustrations on how to deal with relationships in the body of Christ. Uh, Jesus uses the term church in Matthew 18. He uses the term brother in, the, in Matthew 18 because Jesus is in effect dealing with relationship. And, and the Bible lets us know that forgiveness is needed only when there's an offense that occurs in the relationship. Uh, uh, the first words that Jesus uttered from the cross was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now, I can, see, I can see what some of your faces are saying. Well, Pastor Price, that's Jesus. Uh, Pastor Price, that's God. Uh, I'm not Jesus. I'm not God. I'm not there yet. And we say it with such arrogance. We say it with such an attitude. We say it with such an air like it's okay that we're not behaving like Jesus. Like it's okay that we're not becoming like Jesus. Like it's okay that we're not there yet. Jesus says, here is how you unchain your heart. So in Matthew 18, Jesus began to talk about three different subjects. He talks about the reception of the believer. In verses 1 to 10, he says, this is how I, I receive believers. The disciples asked a question. They said, Lord, who's, how can we tell who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Who's going to be the great one? Who's going to be the top dog? Who's going to be the head honcho? Jesus grabs a little child and places that child in the midst of the disciples and he tells the disciples if you would become like one of these little ones, if you would behave like one of these little ones, then you'll be great. Because these little ones are dependent upon adults. If you have faith like these little ones, then I can trust you with kingdom issues. Then Jesus goes on to say, but if you offend one of these little ones. If you offend one of those that trust me and depend upon me, then you might as well tie a boulder around your neck and jump in the lake. Jesus lets them know how he cares for the little ones and how he cares for those that demonstrate a childlike faith like these little ones. Then in verses 11 to 20, Jesus begins to talk about those who are in need of restoration. 
Jesus says in, in, in chapter 11, he says that, um, that there's, there's a shepherd and he has some sheep. And if a sheep goes astray, the, the shepherd will leave the 90 and 9 and go after the one. But then he goes on and says, and, and says something strange in verse 13. He says, if your brother offends you. Now, I got to put a little dime in the meter parked there just for a little while. He's saying that offenses are inevitable in the house of God. In other words, Jesus lets us know that there, there will be times in the life of the believers where we all just can't get along. That there'll be times when disciples disagree. There'll be times when prayer partners have problems. There'll be times when holy folk will act hurtful. There'll be times when righteous people act rude. There'll be times when saved, sanctified people act a little strange. Jesus lets us know that the church is not a perfect place. Now, I know you think that the church is full of saved, sanctified, and spirit-filled people, but Jesus says the church is not a perfect place. And the reason why the church is not a perfect place is because all of us are members of the church. And, and because we are members of the church and because we're not perfect, we need to understand that the church is not a perfect place. Matter of fact, I got some advice for all of us in here today. If you ever find a perfect church, don't join it because you will mess it up. Because we are all imperfect people. Uh, and because we are imperfect, we cannot expect the church to be perfect. Come on now. We don't come to church happy every day. We don't come to church hugging everybody every day. We don't come with holy hallelujahs every day. And because the church is not perfect, Jesus says there are going to be times when you are going to have some conflict in the church. There'll be times when you'll be hurt. There'll be times when you get harassed. There'll be times when you get harmed. And that's just just how it is, but I'm going to give you some advice on how to handle that. When you have offenses that occur in the church, Jesus says, number one, you ought to go to your brother or sister alone about the offense. He did not say get on the phone. He said go to them alone. He says if they don't hear you, take two or three witnesses with you. He said if they still won't hear you, bring it to the church. And if they still don't hear you, it's time to separate. See, the objective Jesus is trying to get us to see is to win our brothers and sisters in Christ. Too many of us want to win the argument and not win our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we, we skip past the first step and going to them and we go to the second step and we go to others. But Jesus says, I need for you to go to them so that you might be able to win them. Because if you don't win them, you'll find three types of people in the church. You'll find hiders, you'll find herders, and you'll find healers. Come on now. Hiders, they are those who retreat from conflict. Herders are those that retaliate in conflict. And healers are those that want reconciliation in conflict. Are there any hiders in here today that want to put their head in the sand like an ostrich and pretend like there's no conflict in the church? Or are there any herders in here who's like Sonny from the Godfather that says if they hit us, we're going to hit them back. Jesus says, I want to teach you how to be a healer. I want to teach you the Rodney King philosophy. I want to teach you you to see if we can all just get along. So in verses 21, Jesus begins to address Peter's question. Peter's asked this question. He says, Lord, how many times shall my brother offend me and I forgive him? 
So first of all, we need to understand the standard for forgiveness. Peter asks a question that all of us wants to know. It's what inquiring minds wants to know. It's not how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop. Peter says, I want to know how many times my brother offends me, should I forgive them? Is it seven times? Now, now notice what Peter says. He says, my brother. He's, he, he did not say foes, people that hate me. He didn't say those on the fringes, people that don't even know me. He says, I will, I'm talking about family. I'm talking about people in the fellowship, in the house of God. How many times shall they offend me and I forgive them? Child of God, I come to tell you that there's no greater hurt than church hurt. When there's people that you fellowship with, people that you are in relationship with, people that you are in partnership with, when that type of hurts hits you, it can be quite traumatic. I don't know about you. He's talking about those that he pray with, those that he sing with, those that he deacons with, those that he preaches with. He said, how many times shall they offend me? It's not those on the fringes. It's not those that, that are my foes, but it's my family that has hurt me. Peter asked a question that we all want to answer. And Jesus lets them know that you must, it's not seven, it's, it's 70 times seven. And what, what Jesus is giving him is not a mathematical equation, but he's letting them know that for every offense that occurs to you, you must have multiplied forgiveness. I know this is a hard lesson on a, on a Friday or during Lenten season, but Jesus says you must have multiplied forgiveness when an offense occurs to you. Because Jesus wants us to understand that unforgiveness does not hurt the person that you are upset with. Unforgiveness really hurts you. Unforgiveness really changed your heart. Unforgiveness really um, shackles you down. Unforgiveness places us in bondage. It places us in bitterness. And we begin to carry a whole lot of baggage. So Jesus says, in order for you to get rid of the baggage, the bitterness, and the bondage, you need to release them. You need to take your hands off the situation. You need to let go and let God so he might be able to deal with the situation. I'm talking about the standard for forgiveness. But then Jesus gives a story about forgiveness. Jesus began to tell a parable. Now, if you flunked out of Sunday school, you still know that a parable is an earthly story with heavenly meaning. You still know that a parable is a human truth that has holy um, implication. Jesus talks about this servant who, who owed the king a whole lot of money. And because he owed him a whole lot of money, um, he was unable to pay it. He says forgiveness begins when there's a debt that needs to be paid and when the person who owes the debt has a problem repaying the debt. But then not only is there a problem repaying the debt, you must cry out for pardon. The servant asked for, for forgiveness. He asked that he would be released from the death debt. He said, give me some time. Let me have patience and I'll pay you back somehow, some way. But then here's the pity. The king did not give him what he asked for. The king gave him what he needed. The king said, I'm not going to give you time because you don't need time. I'm not going to give you patience. I'm not going to give you patience because you don't need patience. I'm going to release you from the debt. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God gives me what I need. Every day he gives me pity. He gives me mercy. He woke me up this morning because he knew I needed new mercy. And when we are understanding about forgiveness, we need to understand that, that forgiveness is something that we all need. How can we hold somebody else hostage when God has 
forgiven us of so much of a great, uh, of so many great transgressions. Those who have been forgiven much should be able to forgive much. Job was able to forgive his three friends who talked about him, who, who ridiculed him. And after he forgave them, the Bible says God restored what he had 10 times more. Joseph was able to re- forgive his brothers, even though they threw him in the pit, even though they sold him to Potiphar, even though he was placed in prison. When he met up with his brothers, he did not rehash the offense. He did not resent his brothers. He relinquished what they did to him, and he remembered a little bit different. He said, what you meant for evil, my God meant for good. I come to tell you that we ought to have a standard for forgiveness, and we need to remember this story of forgiveness, and remember that if Jesus could forgive us for all of our trespasses, we should be able to forgive somebody else. But as I close, there's the seriousness of forgiveness. The king got word that the servant who he forgave met another person who owed him far less than what he had owed, and he demanded to be repaid. See, when you, when you are forgiven, God places you in the place to forgive somebody else. But this person would not forgive the person that owed him. The Bible says in the Lord's Prayer, if we don't forgive, we ought to forgive men their trespasses as the Lord has forgiven our trespasses. And we refuse to forgive, then God will refuse to forgive us. Child of God, I don't know how, how much hurt you've experienced this year. I don't know much, how, many, how much hard, hardship you've had this year. I don't know how many headaches you had this year. But I do know that there was somebody that was hung up for our hangups. I do know that somebody was hung high, stretched wide, and dropped low. And if Jesus was able to say, forgive them, can't we forgive? Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the old rugged cross. 2,000 years ago, Jesus suffered, bled, and died. 2,000 years ago, Jesus forgave us all of our trespasses so that we might have a right to the tree of life. And if he's able to forgive us of our infractions, we ought to be able to forgive somebody else. I know we don't think we're messed up. I, don't, I know we don't think we're hooked up or jacked up. But in all reality, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the great news this morning is that we serve a God of a second chance. So forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. God bless you.